This is Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera, available everywhere good podcasts are sold. I am the platforming prodigy, Mark Robinson, and with me this week, he is the Manuel Locatelli of the podcasting world. He is Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? Yeah, man, just like hoofing great points out to the wing and then finishing them off with a plant in the middle. Absolutely buzzing. He is quite the specimen, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Loving it absolutely you know it's very rare like you go into euros now with the amount of insane journalism that exists and then someone just kind of bursts onto the scene as it were michael richard style but yeah locatelli despite being sassuolo's favorite son has uh, taken a lot of people by surprise i think uh, yeah. see for but anyway you know yeah, how I, are you how, I, how how are you like enjoying basking in all of this footballness now you are mark football wild child man robinson boy it, it's good I, I listened to like 95 hours of podcasts before the tournament started and i've listened to about 95 hours of podcasts since it started um and i'm having a great old time of it um someone who has not enjoyed my um venture back into football is our special guest for a portion of the show this week um, is the partner in the Robinson household. It is Maria Dordea. Maria, how are you? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, my voice is gone. I'm good. Um, yeah. yeah, I do not enjoy the football. <laughs> so, I'm going to leave it at that. It's just because it's just because Romania are not in this year, right? No, That's it's it because I do not get why you get so excited about people running around with a ball. I don't get it. Listen, what is the world without whimsy, Maria, at the end of the day? I mean, you fair know, enough. We all have to like something, you know. Oh, yeah, fair enough. And I get the passion. You know, I was watching I was watching a, a match the other day, and, and I get it. The passion. Yeah, we were watching the England-Scotland game. <laughs> the, most, the most passionless football match I've watched. I'm sorry, but England it was a very played. good game. I really enjoyed it. I, if you enjoyed that game, then, yeah, I, 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 did. I don't know what to tell you. I've got I, plenty of other nil-nils I can recommend if you want to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't get the need of, of, of getting together every two years and then four years for different things and just have all the people play. I I don't get it. I respect it. Hey, it's, it's a thing. You guys do it. Enjoy. It, it's it's taken a big part of my life because look, look, Mark is doing it. It's but... no different than people getting together every year and having a singing contest to see who's the best in Europe. Right, but you don't Which watch is, it yeah. for, like, how long is the, 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 how much, how long are the Euros for? The Euros... Like a month, isn't it? Uh, it's yeah. just under... Yeah, about a month. Yeah, so get Eurovision for three nights, which is two semifinals and the final. Look, I, I, if they want to see the Eurovision over a month, I have got no fucking problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah, then like, it so there's... like a day for each country or... But there's 20... Yeah, exactly. There's 26 countries. So you could have like one song every night and then you could have like half an hour... And it'd be like, you know, an intro to who the artist is. Then they do their song and everyone's like, yay, 
song and shit and then yeah but then the problem is people would forget what like so the second country did yeah. or whatever so when they come to tighten up the points they uh no the the way they could do it is they'll have like the two countries that are going to face off that day and they have the week prior to write an original song and then perform oh. it in that that half hour slot wherever they've got oh so you're doing song versus song oh yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. a song battle interesting yeah. do you know what though i was thinking about what maria was saying and i'm like what is the most mental sport like what is it where you know aliens come down to this <laughs> to this planet and they see it and they're like what in the name of are you doing like i don't know why my initial thought was pole vaulting because I'm just like, why would anyone take like a big flexible stick, shove it in the ground, fling themselves like six meters into the air over a pole and then land backwards? I, like- I kind of have that for like most athletics in general or those kind of niche sports like handball or whatever. It's like, how do you actually get into that? Because running, fine, I get that. You can run fast, boom, do 100 meters as quick as you want. Fine, sure, whatever. But a lot of those like niche uh, athletic sports, I've always wondered like how... What made you decide that, you know what, I can jump a really long distance into this sand pit. That's going to be me. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, like, that's something you can do. You can jump. Um, and Hedy Van Halen will attest to this. This is true. <laughs> like, whenever you like. So yeah. that you don't need equipment for that. Whereas, like, how did the first guy come up with, like, no, this is the right length of big fucking stick. Yeah. But I want to run into a tiny, like, a hole in the ground. You know, like, it's, it's, it's obviously coming from, like, you know, dudes trying to launch themselves over castle walls and then probably getting the chip, like, chopped out of them when they land in there. Or, it's like, or even, like, like javelin, you know, was you, did you have, like, a long twig as a child that you threw yeah. and you went, you know what, I think I'm onto something here. <laughs> I, I, I guess that as well is probably, like, a old school, like, battle thing, isn't it? You know, like, instead of archers, you get a bit closer and you have javelin throwers and you just start spearing dudes in the front line of an art maybe most of it comes from from military when you think about it like military operations but i guess there's a lot of sports that are like specific to different countries so like you said handball there are countries where that's like a big thing or you know i always the thing i always found funny is like somebody in this country that's really good at winter sports is like how would you know when yeah. most of the time it's just raining all the time and there's no ice for you to chuck yourself down like that skeleton lady from a couple of years ago is it yarnold lizzie yarnold and she just, she, how did she know she was good at that? Like, she well, must have just gone on a holiday one day and been like, oh, I'm, I'm, even, I'm even people, Even people that live in, like, you know, cold countries, like, I still don't understand how you get into bobsleigh. Like, what, what is the active choice? So, you know, Basically, I want to be in a tin coffin and hurl down this fucking ice. Right. Here's how you get into bobsleigh, Mark. What you do is you become a world-class sprinter. You have an unfortunate accident at your trials to get into the Olympics, right? Then you go hang out with John Candy for a while. And then after you have, like, at first hated John Candy, then you come to like John Candy. You then get yourself into the bobsleigh trials, into the Olympics. Like, that is how you become a bobsleigh star. And, you know, some people say they know they can believe, but... I know we could have a bobsleigh team if we did that, just for, like that. For, in, for anyone who's not aware, which might include Maria, he, he's talking about the plot to Core Runnings. What are you talking about? That came from my brain and Never nowhere else. Cool Runnings? No? Okay, no. We'll, we'll watch Core cool Runnings one day. Okay. Oh my god, who hasn't seen Core cool Runnings? Yeah, I totally believed what you said. I was like, wow, <laughs> yeah. where is he You're... going with this? You'll never, uh, you'll never ever look at an egg the same way afterwards without wanting to kiss it, and that's just all I'm going to tell you. Wow. Did yep. not expect that sentence to come out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I mean, it's a classic right there. Yeah. Get yourself Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> Maria, how yeah. are you? How are things with you? Oh, I was actually just thinking about the winter sports and how you get to doing the winter sports in general. Um, so I'm, I'm still on that. But I am good. 
I think. Yeah. Yeah, I I I realized before I came on to 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 the show that you guys have such a big responsibility to do your research on what you say and uh, research is a bit strong. Well, it's, you, know, you know, you you want you want people to listen to what you're saying, so you probably have to have your facts right and your information right. And I, I didn't realize how much work could go into. You haven't been on the internet in the last like ten years, have you? Like facts have gone out the window. You say <laughs> there are something, alternative facts. You, now. You, you say something, and if someone says you're wrong, you just double down on it. That's that's kind of how it works. KFC double down. Yeah. Uh, look. I, for the Euros last show, I will take that praise for that because I actually did do quite you, a lot. Of actually, yes, I have to like give you your props, like for you and Dave. Um, yeah, like I came on and basically winged it for four hours, but you two really um, did a, an exceptional job. So, thank yep. you for that. Wait until the uh, wait until the Winter Olympics, and um, we'll do the same four-hour preview for the bobsleigh. <laughs> um, I can't wait. You know. Plenty of shout-outs to my boy Fasa, you know, that'll you, be the one. Do you, do you have any, like, uh, Olympic heroes from Romania? Or? God, I thought you asked that. No, I actually don't know. No? I, I don't know. Is it Nadia no. not, not Comaneci? When okay. it comes to any knowledge, literally, I do not know anything from my country anymore. No. no. I know I've brought up Dan Petrescu to you once before and you had no idea what it was on about, so... No, I mean, we, we did have a big footballer that was a big name at one point and his name Chika was Haji. Haji yes Haji yes you know yes. Haji but I don't know why he's a big name I don't remember and I know we have someone in tennis as a girl and she was she was big maybe two three four years ago even I don't even know but uh, I don't remember her name and uh, I don't really know Simona Halep maybe yes thank you yeah. Jack yes yep. Simona, and, it, Simona. and if you want to go old school, the tennis, Elena Stasi was a pretty decent tennis player as well. Yeah, I would say, I don't know why, I think Romania, I think Nadia Comaneci, like she was oh my a, God, yes, a gymnast from way back in the day. She was and the then, first person to ever get a 10 in the Olympics. That's correct, yeah. And then the thing with her is that the, I think the Corollis or Corollis, they, um, America basically nixed them from Romania because they, they were absolutely smashing it, coaching their gymnasts. Um, but like they were pretty harsh taskmasters and it kind of like ended up playing a part in like all of the weird um, stuff that happened with the US gymnastics and led to like some pretty nasty stuff. There's a really good podcast series on on uh, 30 for 30 about it. But yeah, if you go back to Nadia Comaneci, she's like the the original Romanian sports superstar, I would say. Yep. And I, I, I'm actually scaring myself with how much I know about Romanian sports. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good. It's helping me a big time now. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'm so very disconnected. But it, not just sports. Anything, you know. Like people have the tendency to go. So, oh, you know, like how about the history? Like how did you guys become Romania? And and what happened there? And I'm like, mm, I guess the Turks tried to take over a few times. And I mean, in fairness, like about it. Uh, our history lessons. Can I just say though, like, right when I was in school and I was learning history and just information, geography, and everything that they teach you in school, I did not know I was going to represent. You know, <laughs> I was going to represent <laughs> years later, and people are just going to be able to ask me anything, and I would have to know. I just I was a kid, just not hey. learning, not studying history, not studying geography, because like, who? Why would I need it? And here I am yep. today, 
cannot answer any of your questions. Here's the yes. funnier thing, though. Mark did not know, and he's even at more of a disadvantage, that when he was learning history and then would go to live in Ireland, <laughs> all of the terrible things that yeah. England as a country did yeah. to Ireland, we just didn't learn. At some stage, they were like, well, there was a potato famine at one point. Yeah, it was really sad. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, World we, War Two. World War Two. We, um, we, yeah. we pretty much got like, hey, the British Empire was a good thing. We won World <laughs> War Two, and Henry VIII killed some of his wives. Like, that was about what we got the history. Is it? And then Mark went over and Dave took him to a museum where he's like, here are all of the horrors committed by your country yeah the world uh, famous look what you did tall so yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. that's uh yeah so that's 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 real. another side of it you could be a, a real history buff it, and uh if you just stick to curriculum you would yeah. never learn the things that you yeah. probably should know it was a it was a sobering tour i'll say that much um yeah. Yep. <laughs> moving swiftly on uh so we've all watched the first two episodes of loki um You're- so i guess we could probably start there and um Tara, Maria, you can you can start us off. What are your thoughts so far? So you you watched all of WandaVision, you watched the first couple of episodes of Falcon and, and Winter Soldier and kind of fell off that. Mm-hmm. Uh how's how's Loki working out for you? Uh well first of all I wouldn't compare them. You know, I, no, I wouldn't I don't think that you have to watch any of them to understand anything. They're just completely different stories. Um but as far as Loki comes, I um I, I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, because we haven't actually really kind of spoken about it. Yeah, like, so off, I, off, I, okay. I absolutely am one of the... <laughs> do you, you know... guys just ignore each other? <laughs> <laughs> like, all you do is watch TV and then the rest of the time you're just silently no, shambling usually, around usually the apartment. We'll about, well, usually we'll talk about the things that we've watched, but for some reason we actually haven't spoken really much about Loki. Yeah, like, yet. it's just because it's on Wednesdays. It, 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 like, even on Wednesday, it threw us off completely. At 10 o'clock, we were like, oh, it's Wednesday, Loki. You know, like, you completely forget. You, you're not really, I'm not really used to it being on, on Wednesday and it's, it's still fresh but um, I, I'm a big fan of the actor himself and I'm I just I really like him and I, I, and I thought I liked his acting because I, I did see him on stage in England and you mean Tom Hiddleston Tom right? Hiddleston yeah. yes sorry um, and, and I'm you know I'm one of those <laughs> fans that he has anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the show started and I my first thought was you know I'm not used to seeing so much Loki on the screen because you always just see a few minutes of Loki and then you don't see him for the rest of the films in the Avengers or you know whatever the case may be and it was it was it was a strange feeling to start like that because I was like hey there's just a lot of Loki and there's gonna be a lot of Loki because this is his show so that was the the first thing I I had to kind of get used to Um, and then I remember from the first episode the way it ended I was hooked, but I also, it kind of felt very obvious that they were trying to get you hooked with the way it ended. And I was like, okay, well, now everyone's going to be hooked because the way it, end, the way it ended. Uh, um, so you don't like cliffhangers because you're like, no, <laughs> no you won't do this just, to me. I don't know, I was expecting so you're from the You're from the generation that just gets like a whole season of something like thrown at you and you can just... Exactly, and I was actually in. having this conversation yesterday and I love that I have the chance to have that. I love the chance that I could binge things, but that's not even the point. Like, it's not the point that, you know, you have to wait for the week. I just, they had to put that in there to keep people hooked. So I was like, okay, well, if that's what you're going to base it on, fine. And then with the second episode, I was noticing Tom Hiddleston's acting more. And again, I I love this man. But then when it comes to his acting, I... It doesn't do it for me all the way. It's just there's something about his acting where I see through the cracks sometimes. Like, I see him acting. And I don't know if this is Loki trying to be a good guy or trying to fool everyone around. And I don't know if he's doing his job too well and is fooling me or he's not really doing his job 
well. I don't know, and I don't want to be a, like a harsh critic because what do I know about acting? It's just how I see him, and because I really like watch his reactions and his actions and everything. I maybe I overanalyze. I don't know. No, I like I the think, show overall, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, th- I was gonna say I think that's a fair point because. But uh, like you said, when you said, I think it's intentional. I think it is intentional. I hope I think, it is. Yeah, I think the thing with with Loki and and one of the things I really like about the show and in general is it's almost kind of cliche that Loki yeah. is going to be you know do- trying to double cross somebody, trying to screw someone over. Like they even make that joke early in the show about stabbing people in the back, and he's like, I wouldn't do that. And then yeah. Owen Wilson's like, <laughs> You did it fifty times. He's <laughs> like, Yeah, but I'm not going to do it again. It's cliche now, like kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the way that Tom Hiddleston's pitching his performances is because you're actually having to see him in a more consistent situation where he's having to be more creative with the way he thinks and hasn't got as much independence. All of a sudden he has like, not like a paymaster, but like he, he has to sort of help the TVA out to try yeah. and do whatever they are trying to track down this variant and stuff. Yeah. And then you just, because you're divorced of what his intentions are, you don't have his internal thoughts. You don't know if he is actually trying to help or is going to screw them over at some point or mm-hmm. is what he's saying to Owen Wilson about like, I want to see the timekeepers and I, I want to yeah. meet them and all that. Is any of that genuine or is he just trying to like throw himself into a different timeline and just go and be a gobshite somewhere else? You don't know. And I think that a lot of that dissonance between the act of Tom Hiddleston and the character of Loki exists in that in that field of never really knowing whether he is trying to throw you off or keep you on side. And that's what makes it intriguing for me. I get it. I completely get what you're saying, for sure. And 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 what really makes me wonder about his acting is the fact that I have seen him act in a play and he was fantastic. Mm. Brilliant. Like I do not... think he I think he excels as a theatre actor. Yeah, I, and I and than... I and I hope I hope it wasn't just a theatre thing. I hope he's actually like you said, you know, he's he is is a, it's a pretend in the end and it's gonna it's, he's gonna come back to his true colors and you know act Loki the way you're probably expecting Loki to be. I I, I don't know. But Have you guys seen The Night Manager? No. Okay, I would highly recommend watching The Night Manager because he's he's absolutely brilliant in that. Um, it's like a six part BBC thing. Um, I've it'd heard be super of it. easy to find. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's real good. It's, he's I incredible. see. I've seen other things with him because being a, a fan as I am, I've tried to watch him into everything that he's he's put out there, and I I've always had the same feeling. I've always had the feeling that he, the roles that he was playing so i've seen him in, in in only lovers left alive and and crimson peak and he was even in and midnight uh, in paris but that's a really small role he has but the roles that he has are very are just not strong roles i feel you know like the characters aren't i guess in crimson peak he's one of the main main characters and you know there's a dark story there and history and everything but i I don't know. I I think I think sometimes his acting doesn't I mean, move me. I, I will say I like I it's I feel like a large reason why he got the part of Loki in the first place is if you go back to that first Thor film and it was directed by Kenneth Branagh and it's shot very much like a fucking Shakespearean theatrical mm. production. Yeah. And that kind of fits, you know, perfectly into Tom Hiddleston and his style. And it's like if it wasn't Kenneth Branagh who was directing that film, would have Loki would have Tom Hiddleston been cast as Loki? Because mm. I think the casting is perfect. Mm. And yeah. it it is one of those characters that you look from like there to now and um 
you know, obviously he has his character arc, and you get to where he is by the time he's in Ragnarok, and you know, like the the not the one eighty that his character does, but he's very fucking grand and theatrical and Shakespearean in that first Thor film. And by the time you get to Ragnarok, he's more in line with the kind of quippy, sarcastic, like jovial tone of that film. Which you know, considering like who directed that film, it kind of makes sense. But it is like does. And I, I think that Hiddleston kind of translates and actually did that really well. And I think he's really, really good in Ragnarok. But I don't know yet, like, kind of what the direction is for his character in this. We're only two episodes in, so obviously there's time to kind of see how it, it how it will go. Um, but I think it's 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 a bit of a weird adjustment because we've had the character arc, but now we're going back to like an earlier form of Loki from 2012. So it's like, well, what kind of direction is this specific version of Loki going to go? Considering we've seen literally his story actually play out. Um, I really like the kind of 70s, uh, like, decor that takes, that is, like, the interior of the, um, I can't remember TV, the name. The TVA. The TVA. Yeah, it, I, I, do you know what I thought it looked like was um, Mad Men in space? It is, it is. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it. well, it's kind of like, okay, you know, the se- if you're in the 70s and you think, what does the future look like? You know, it. I feel it looks like that, you know. They have... The kind of understanding of like, well, this is what, you know, 70s interior looks like, but obviously everything's flying and everything has like weird kind of curvature shapes to its uh, geometry in its buildings. Um, but I think it looks really cool. And I very much am just jo- enjoying Owen Wilson being Owen Wilson in the MCU. Yeah. You know? He's not he's not really doing anything that you've never seen him do before. And I'm totally fine with that. Um, and I kind of want to go back and watch. Was it Shanghai Nights? It was him and Jackie Chan? Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon. Yeah, I kind of want to go back and watch them. I feel like I just want to binge on some Owen Wilson for a while because it's been so long since I've seen him in anything. Yeah. It, the funny thing about Owen Wilson, and I didn't know if he was going to do a different take on it, but you're right. He's just Owen Wilson, and the whole time it just whispers every line of his dialogue. Like, why are you doing this like this? Come on, man! You gotta be. You know what I mean? And it's just there's no. Uh, he's very deliberate, and and you really have to listen. I think with Owen Wilson and try and understand what he's saying. And uh, yeah, it's it's it works. It works. Him him and Hiddleston play off each other really well. I love Miss Minutes. You know the little clock with the yeah. hands, like when when uh, Loki and uh, is trying to like whack her with the uh, with the newspaper <laughs> in the second episode, and they have like. And you don't really know whether she's like a you know pre-programmed hologram or like something. And she said that well, I'm a bit of both, so you're not really sure. But the thing that I'm that is going to keep me coming back to this series is the TVA, as as cool as everything is, it's just so sinister in its nature. Like the yeah. idea that somebody can. I mean, first of all, you get to the point where it's like, right, so the time cops, but you're like, well, they're still cops. So I immediately don't trust them. I'm like, what's going on here? Why are they doing this? Um, and you're like, that you just want to dig into the whatever sinister threads there are behind the TVA, why they exist, why they're trying to police the timeline. And you know that there's going to be at some stage a timeline breach because it will lead into the sort of multiverse of madness and the Spider-Verse and all of the, the, the like string universe theory stuff that they're going to be doing in the next thing, which you know bring about a big bad which people think is galactus or whatever but then like just taking it on a really kind of you know narrow view back towards loki i just want to understand what this tv what what the real sort of dark 
and they're looming behind the TVA is and they're doing such a good job at the moment of just keeping the audience's distance away from that and letting you try and figure it out for yourself. Like the the review of the the female Loki at the end of the episode was was really cool and stuff. And I, I like I'm totally down with wanting to know where she's going and what like her and um Lo- our Loki are gonna interact on with that. But to me, like the core, the central core of it is just trying to understand how this this weird time cop situation exists and what they're doing and what their what their purpose is. And because really, like they say, they're trying to you know keep the the, the sacred timeline in, in space. But I don't buy that. There's some dark shit going on, and, yeah. and I want to know what it I'm, is. I'm just waiting for this show to just kind of spiral into like a Rick and Morty, where there's like you know <laughs> just a, a, a whole Galactus army of Rick Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like just like a kept the council of Loki's would be pretty cool. Oh, I'd love uh, like if I, but it was good because they they it was very Rick and Morty where they were flicking through all the different Loki's and there was like a a Loki that looked like Lance Armstrong who just won the Tour de France yeah. and like a yeah. Loki that looked like the like Mr. Tumnus from Lion Witch of the Wardrobe and shit and it was it was just really it's interesting that they're playing off that and as you say, at some point later on in the episode, Mark, I hope we do get to meet a bunch of them in a room together. <laughs> because yeah, we were saying about Hiddleston, if Hiddleston has to act with a bunch of other Hiddlestons <laughs> in a room in different costumes and he can pull that shit off, then I'm going to give him the fucking Oscar for it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Loki. Um, one thing I wanted to see, uh, I know on the last episode before the Euro specials, uh, Dave was talking about Inside. Um, and I had seen Inside at the time, and I'm gutted I didn't get a chance to talk about it. Have you seen? Have you watched it since? I haven't seen it. No. No. Okay. No. Um, now. I have twice. You've seen it twice. I've, I've watched it twice. I've watched again. it one and a half times because I fell asleep during the first one because we started watching it really late. Um, I like Dave. I, I think it's it's a very very good um, special if you want to call it that. Uh, it kind of is like the slow unraveling of a man's mind and psyche as he's stuck indoors just trying to create whatever the fuck this thing is for a year straight. Um, and honestly, I think the whole thing would fall apart if the songs weren't that good. But the simple fact is is a lot of the songs in that special are very, very well done and very, very funny. Um, the backdrop of the you know music videos that he quotes for them um like the white woman instagram is funny on its own but you put it with the context of the video as well (laughs) and the fact that he's obviously constructed all of that himself um because a lot of the time a lot of the things that he does and how he shoots and frames stuff you don't feel like he is in just the one room you know he does a really good job of making each kind of scene feel like it's you know filmed in some kind of separate location um but yeah, like that and like the problematic song and the way that that's filmed. Is... <laughs> that's one of my favorites. I love yeah. them all. I love I love everything about that show. I can't pick. I, can't, I don't have a favorite to be. I don't like the Jeffrey Bezos songs, even though they were played. So we were at a birthday party yesterday, and someone was playing one of the Je- Jeffrey uh, Bezos songs because there's two. There's part one and part two. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't like that. I didn't. I don't get it. But I, maybe I'm not supposed to. Uh, but I do. I like all of the songs and. Like you said, just the fact that he created every because there are practically videos for every one of them. It's just it goes from a video to a video, um, and it, to me, it's just it's a masterpiece. It's yeah. it's what I thought when I when I when I watched the first and first time and the second time, and I would watch it again with the same. But the thing is, since the second time I've watched it, I've been listening to the songs so much that I genuinely know them now. I just know them. Yeah. And it's gonna be different to watch while you know the songs. 
Did you, Jack? Have you like watched any of your stuff previously, or like? Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of threw my opinion out before. Like, I don't want to, because I, I, I know lots of people really love Bo Burnham, and I'm not a massive fan, but I also don't. I also respect his stuff. Is, is yeah. basically my point from last time. So I, I haven't gone out of my way to watch it. I might pinch a, a song here or two like hit here or there just to just to kind of give it a listen and, and and i'm sure there will be some funny stuff in in the music um there's not enough comedy music out at the moment really that i like like is that there was like a sort of mini golden age of it with uh with like flight of the concords and um tim Lonely minchin. Island and tim minchin all coming out in that sort of mid to late 2000s to like early 2010s period and then it, it kind of yeah even garfunkel and oats kind of tailing in on the back of that as well and uh, it, it, there kind of isn't really that anymore. So maybe Bo, Bo Burnham's kind of spearhead a new uh, generation of that. So I, I might go and listen to some. Yeah, I mean, like he's he's stuff because you know the, the a lot of his stuff, certainly with his live stuff, is about like the subversion of you think he's going left and he immediately goes right, and you just he's constantly like his live show is really incredible in how it's constructed because everything is kind of like to a T. If he does one thing kind of out of time, it kind of throws everything off because a lot of the um the production is about the the kind of audio that's playing along with the stuff that he's doing on stage you know it's not all just songs there's just like little kind of in, in bits in between but um you know he obviously a lot of his music and lyrically is very kind of like social commentary but obviously done through the lens of, of comedy and he's incredibly self-aware of that because he you know like one of the first songs is talking about him as a white guy using comedy to um, I don't know, try and like just help people through, but you know, him also realizing that he's a white guy doing this and like, what the fuck does his opinion count for anything? Um, so there's, I, I feel like there's quite a few parallels between like him and Tim Minchin in the, the things that they're actually talking about and the ability to make them funny. Um, but it's, it's certainly like the first half of it. It's kind of just like one song after another with a few kind of bits in between there. But then like the second half of it is obviously the, whether it's deliberate or just how it ended up being just he's kind of spiral out of control. But there is just a little bit specifically where he's he's doing like a kind of stand up bit, if you will. And he just talks about how he just, why does everyone have to have an opinion every single fucking second on the internet? You know, at all times someone has an opinion on why can't everyone just shut the fuck up for a bit? And uh, I identified with that. I Even as someone who spends a lot of time on Twitter, I do kind of wish everyone would not have an opinion about everything at every single goddamn second. Yeah, you would just need to take the whole website down, basically. You would. You really would. Yeah. The, 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 the worst part is, like, for, you know, for, for, for thousands of years, humanity did not have the option to record every single thought that they had in every single moment as they were reacting to something. But now that power exists... So therefore, you get uh, you get this just like hailstorm of takes, and you know not everybody is a normal person. Not yeah, ninety nine percent of those takes are bad. Exactly, not everyone is a nice person. Not everybody is going to have an opinion that you like, and therefore you go on Twitter and it it, it, it you just almost have to just accept because you'd be, you'd be like fighting against a, a tide of, of bad opinions if you're trying to go on there and, and shout the loudest it just it just doesn't happen yeah it's almost like you have to throw whatever you want to throw out there and then just kind of ignore it everything else so can i just ask you something jack 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 um i believe you it's said jack <laughs> 
<laughs> I always say Jake for some reason. I don't know why. Adventure time? Yeah, maybe. Because yeah, he's, he's a big stretchy dog. That's why. <laughs> I wish I was Aww. a big stretchy dog. Same. Yeah. But so you said that you were not going to watch it, right? You're not going to watch the whole thing. You're just going to listen to some well, of the yeah. songs. If I listen to a couple of the songs and they're good, I might watch it. But yeah, it did. Oh. They're sort of like going crazy in a room while trying to do the occasional creative thing might be a bit too much because that's kind of what I was doing during the pandemic. It, it is an incredibly claustrophobic yeah. show Experience. to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also helps, I think, because. I'm sure watching it, you're going to have a lot of the feelings that he's having. And he, the way he has this way of, of um, translating the feelings into the words and into the, the videos and into the whole thing. And it's like you're watching some of your experiences being experienced by someone else, in my opinion. And I, I think that's why I, I really loved it the first time I watched it, because I wish this would have been a thing before the lockdown started. So I would have known how it's going to, how everything's going to have, how it's going to feel. You know, it's kind of, it's very easy to identify yourself with what he's doing. So... Mm. Yeah, where I, am I going with this? I, I'm I going just, with this. It's just that I think you're going to like it in the sense that, you know, yeah. you're going to identify yourself with what he's feeling and you're going to be like, yeah, I totally get that. That's exactly I, how it is. I just don't know if I'm there yet in terms of like this like consumption of like lockdown and, and COVID okay, related yeah. content. I didn't just, think I was. I didn't yeah. I didn't know what this was. You know, I think everyone who, who just started watching it, the, the, the title doesn't give much away. It's just inside. I doesn't really. I didn't know what I was. I like to walk in blind when I watch things, and I never really research things. I, I like to just be, you know, to kind of form my opinion as I go and not be really influenced by anything. Is that why you're always injuring yourself when you go to the movies? <laughs> <laughs> we are actually going to the movies tonight for the first time this year, and I'm excited. Ooh, what are you gonna see? We're seeing in the heights. In the heights, yeah. Oh right, yeah, cool. That's the whole. Is it like a dancey musically? It is absolutely the antithesis of something that Jack Lazell would want to watch. Yeah, is it? Um, is is it the guy who did Hamilton? Is yeah, I, th- I think it yeah. is because I heard his yeah. voice in the trailer. It has to be him. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all I know is like uh, Manuel Miranda. All I know is Rosa Diaz from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine's in it as well. So yeah, yeah. I think kind of think that is some of her background actually, musical theater and stuff. I think she, there's some of that kind of like you wouldn't know it from the way she is in Brooklyn Nine. No, no, you would not. <laughs> she she actually talked about uh, a while back. I saw something. I saw an interview with her, and she was saying how disappointed she was on how the fans actually reacted to her to the reality of her when they heard when they heard her voice for the first, for the same time because obviously she doesn't have the same voice yeah. uh, no. in, as in the show and an attitude and anything and many many people actually judged her and they were like oh we want rosa back and she was she was really hurt because obviously that's not who she is and it's strange because i, I didn't expect her to be a completely different person either but then obviously you you're <sighs> yeah, remembered a, the a actors. lot of people struggle to make that separation between actor actress and the the character especially if you're in a thing that explodes and becomes a big thing i I think the biggest shining example of that is friends you know oh yeah oh i feel for them oh i feel for them so much i still see them as the like no matter where i see jennifer anderson i still i'm like oh rachel in a different dimension but uh, well the the one that makes it easy for you is that like one out of the six is just their character because matt leblanc is joke (laughs) yeah he is (laughs) we learned this from the friends Friends reunion yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but yeah anyone else anything else they've been watching Uh, i've been watching okay there you go I was just gonna say, yeah, like almost socially depressing amounts of football, but uh, <laughs> we'll move on from that. 
I, I think you're gonna have the whole show about football. That's the part I'm gonna leave. <laughs> no, 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 um, no, 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 we don't do that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have been watching, rewatching actually, because it, the fifth season came out, and I'm trying to work my way back into it. Uh, maybe the demographic of the show, you know, won't really work, but uh, it's it's Working Moms, and I, I, I absolutely love that show. I think it's a brilliant show, and and I know the title things. You know, you think it's it's about working moms, and it is about working moms, but it is about so I'd be much disappointed more. Disappointed if it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is. It's just that it isn't all about, there like, is. To like it. a fucking like a sausage roll salesman, <laughs> Macclesfield or something. I'm like, this isn't a working mom. What's going on here? Um, yeah, it's it's a brilliant show. It it, it really explores. St- so much in in the working world and and well i guess it is aimed at women obviously and then mothers in that sense like you know what it's about working moms uh, but it's a really good show it's really really funny and it goes places you didn't expect it to go and there's obviously friendships that get created and i i, I don't know who would be interested in your show about about i mean the thing is like itself, if, i i think you know because jack is a massive sex in the city fan and ah, i don't, I don't well, think that's brand new information but it's like yeah. but obviously he's not the target demographic for that and of even course. like i've been watching you know bits of the bold type with you and that's definitely not my target demographic. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. i i think that's a really really well executed show you know yeah well working mom's been out for a few years and, yeah. I've, and i've never changed my opinion about it i always thought it was very well made and i catherine whatever her name is i can't remember I no she's the oh. girl who plays uh she's in all you know it's always sunny she's dennis's wife as well um the one that turns into a crazy cat lady yeah oh with the dead tooth uh, what's her name i, can't, I, I can't think of it um, um i'm ashamed i'm ashamed that i can't remember me. jack is furiously googling <laughs> uh catherine, catherine reitman Maybe I thought her second name started with the B, or surname started with the B. Anyway, no. but she created the show and she's producing it and she's directing it and she's what? starring in it and it's just so, fantastic. So, so Catherine Reitman for a while was on a podcast um, mm. called Hollywood Babylon when uh, so Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman host it and uh, she used to like step in when Kevin Smith wasn't there and it was actually just and as and I love Kevin Smith I was uh, you know like when, from when I was young but she almost made it a better show like her <laughs> and Ralph Garman and she had a and then after that she spun off and did like her own movie like review show on youtube called breaking it down which which is really really funny uh like you can go back it's it's like 10 years old now but you can go back and watch some of her like old school movie reviews and like just a weird like quirky nature of the show it, it, it's really cool um yeah anyway she's the daughter of ivan reitman who directed ghostbusters and stuff so she's kind of got like this real you know like growing up around this massive kind of juggernaut like showbiz career of, of, of her dad and like and her, bro- and her brother jason reitman um is director as well he works with diablo cody who wrote juno and stuff and directs a lot of stuff um and yeah so it's just like sickening amount of talent that exists in that family yeah and uh, wow. it's cool I, I i i was thinking to myself about a year or so ago like after the pandemic kicked off like kind of what Catherine reitman was up to now and went back and watched some of those old episodes breaking it down and they're still very good but yeah I'm glad she's in the show and she's created a show and she's doing stuff. That, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It really, really is. And I had no idea. her. Of, I, had, I knew nothing about her background. And look at you. You know so much. Are you like reading all this information? No, no. Uh, you, you'd probably see that I'm like staring off into the new <laughs> Um <laughs> um But yeah, yeah. I, I do recommend that show. I, I really think it's good. And it gets better and better. It just yep. gets better. Like the story really twists and it's nice. Um, so I've been watching that. I've been binging that actually, which is cool. Nice. 
Um, we let's move on to what we've been playing. Uh, I'll start with you, Jack. Anything? Uh, have you have you been able to do anything other than watch the Euros? Have you had time to play anything? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, started a little bit of uh, of Resident Evil. Um, oh, your friend. okay. Uh, Mr. David Neal lent that to me, and uh, been playing a little bit of that, and enjoying that so far. No, no real fresh takes on it. Obviously, Dave kind of covered the whole thing, and certainly and broke, did. Broke the story down quite a lot. Um, I, I, I really like the game feel, and I think it just looks beautiful. Um, just incredible. It's, it's so intense. It's such a kick-ass opening to a game as well. Like you really just the, the real sort of like have no concept of what's happening i mean obviously dave explained it to me but like the real bizarre situation you find yourself kind of waking up in and then the like extremity of like a, a snapshot moment at the start of that game it just throws you into the story it's it's really good it kind of feels like the whole game is going to be like a bit of a sprint towards you know working your way through the the different um areas of the town and and getting towards the the final boss type situation face down that you're going to get to um so i'm enjoying that been playing a bit more of Knockout City. Um, I'm not very good at Knockout City, is what I'm going to say. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, don't expect any new nuance takes on that. Um, I, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a bit of a scramble. If I get in a few good slaps in the, in the round, I'm happy. Um, and that's really all I'm going to achieve. Um, yeah, other than that, just the regular sort of um, every now and then of, of playing Pokemon Go and stuff. So yeah, those those are all of the things that I've been playing. And yeah, it's it is amazing how much Euros content has been taking up all of my time. So there's nothing there's nothing particularly new. But I tell you what will be happening on Friday is I'll be getting myself a copy of the new Mario Golf game and I'll be going ham on that son of a bitch right there. You and me, you and me, brother. Don't worry, we'll we'll be there day one. Yeah, I uh, this is the first chance I've had to talk about Knockout City a bit, and uh, I I think it's great. It it's taken me by surprise. Um, I really expected an an EA published uh, online um, multiplayer game of this nature would have been a lot more insidious in terms of uh, you know purchases and that kind of stuff and fast tracking like your ability to power up and get experience. But it's really not like that. Other than I think that the art design is a little bit focus tested, like, hey, let's make something that looks a little bit like Fortnite and a little bit like Splatoon and have our own kind of take on it. You know, I, I don't think the the visual artistic direction uh it, it just it pulls too obviously from those areas. Um, that I kind of expected from something like an EA. But in terms of the gameplay and the game feel, I, th I think it's really well constructed. Um, there's enough depth there in terms of it's not just throwing the ball back and forth. You've got the curve shot, you've got the lob shot. And like when you get into a one-on-one -on -one encounter where you're just kind of throwing the ball at each other and then, you know, you try and psych them out or you try and do like the spin shot. Um, it's it's kind of like the most intense thing since the few times that I was playing uh, Warzone uh, with you and doing the the Gulag. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I actually think Knockout City is surprisingly better than I was expecting. But I do find that every time I load it up, I'm terrible for at least the first two matches until yeah. I get back into the kind of groove of it. Um, and I haven't played it for like a week or so, so I imagine I'd go back to it and be just fucking atrocious now. Are you composed when you play it? I no, am not, not composed. I'm not I, the only game I'm composed at, like, that's an online multiplayer is Rocket League. That's the only game I composed at. Yeah, I, but I feel like you get... 
there's more kind of beats in Rocket League where you're just driving around from place to place, and you, you it's a more sort of twitchy, reactive game. Whereas Knockout City, I find because of the mayhem of like you know diving to try and get balls and like you know like you trying to if you haven't got anything in your hand, you're trying to attack the other players and keep them away from it or whatever. Like I just I end up I get into like not quite button bashing, but close like level of frantic where I'm just like, Oh, I need to get this. And uh, I I, I think part of the reason for that is because you have like the red, um, outlay that's on that, the outside of the screen, whenever someone is, you know, targeting in your Mm -hmm. direction, it means you're constantly, you know, if you're in the middle, cause I try and kind of stick to the sides and sort of pick people off. But if you're in the middle of a scrap, you're constantly running, like looking around in a circle because you know, a ball is going to be fucking, you know, planting into your face unless you're ready there to catch it. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I actually think that that uh, Knockout City is more twitch and reactive because, like with Rocket League, you're just looking for the ball. You know, wherever the ball is, you look in that direction, you go towards it. That's it. But because with Knockout City, you're constantly, you know, having to be aware that so- at some point you're going to get a ball in the side of the face. Yep. So you're constantly having to look out for that. Yeah, it's um. So there's like a Chris Pratt quote from from Moneyball where where someone asks his character Scott Hatterberg like, "What are you most afraid of at baseball?" And he's like, "A ball being thrown in my general direction," and everyone laughs. And he's like, "No, no, seriously, I'm, I'm terrified, and I am that scared <laughs> <laughs> when the ball's because you try and time that block button and stuff, and you might get like I, I'll get like maybe one in five of the blocks, but the rest of the time they just blaps me upside the head, and that's it for me basically." Uh, yeah, until I get my my reboot and come back out, and I love. By the way, I love the multi balls. I, I just yeah. love the sheer multi ball of, of of hurling a multi ball, and then all the different like bits of multi ball just bouncing off everywhere, and then people just going crazy trying to try to capture it and then throw it. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It's silly. It's stupid. It's it like I said to like with Dave. It's it's a little disposable, but you know what? For a while, I think it's gonna it's gonna bring a lot of joy to a lot of people playing that game. So, and yeah. the perfect game to be on Game Pass as well. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't have to pay for it. Just yeah. well, I mean, in a way, but yeah, I didn't have to like buy it new or anything. So yeah, it, it's it's good. I got to check it out for free because I don't think it's something that I I would want it to have spent like even like twenty or thirty quid on. I think I just yeah. Just for a bit if it was like twenty five quid, I'd have been happy punting down for that. I think. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think it's just because I'm not good at it. I think I would have been like, oh, I'll spend twenty five yeah. quid on something that I suck at it. I don't know. It's a bit like it's a bit like owning a guitar, a guitar and not being able to play it, just having it on the wall. I, there's, there's something a bit sad about that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Maria, you've played a little bit of Pikmin Three. Deluxe Pikmin. Deluxe Pikmin 3, yes. Pikmin Deluxe 3. Pikmin Deluxe, is that is that what it's? Pikmin? Pikmin Deluxe It's saying Pikmin 3 Deluxe on the side of the, the box that I can see behind me. So I'm going to say Pikmin 3 Deluxe. That's okay, maybe you're right. Uh, what do you think of it? Well, I don't have much experience with games, as we all know. Um, so to me, it's cute, it's great, it's you know, it, the the way it's built, the way you have to play to be by surprise, it has a, a limitation of, of, of time in the game that you have to do things. So, like, the day ends at one point and you have to finish everything you have to do by the, by the end of the day. And to me, that was new. That's just something I, I haven't experienced before, I think. Uh, I love how cute... Have you ever played it, Jack? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I love how cute the... The, the like the the Pikmin are yeah like the, little, the little rock Pikmin yeah <laughs> and they, are, they they just they stole my they heart. they particularly remind me of like the little soot creatures from uh, Spirit Away and um, 
Yeah. Like the Totoro. There's a little bit of them yeah. in there. One of the biggest pops I, I've ever had when gaming is after that first Pikmin game came out, maybe a year or so after, um, Mario Golf Toadstool Tour came out. And there's a course where if you hit the ball in the rough, it scatters loads of Pikmin everywhere onto the no course. Way. Yeah, and uh, it just was just like the Nintendo, the, the absolute legends <laughs> of the world when they do something like that. It's just, it's just such a little touch, but it just makes you happy to see. Yeah, yeah so I, I haven't actually played much. I only played maybe two hours of it in the beginning, and I only discovered two types of Pikmin, the red and the rock. Um, I, I keep intending to go back to it, but that's it's just I, I play a game and then I leave it and I never go back to it. It's just how I play games. Um, but I loved it. I loved that it. it was cute. It was the story was interesting. It was I, I loved the whole time concept and I it was very interesting that you had to leave and finish. You know, like you couldn't leave, you couldn't rest on the planet while the night was there because you were in danger. Or so far, you know, as far as I got into the game. Um, loved it. Do I recommend it? I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I don't know what you guys say about games here. All, all I realise is that Pikmin 3 has the same plot as Outriders. Um, and I can definitely say Pikmin okay. 3 is a much better version of Outriders. <laughs> um, I just wanted to take a chance to say fuck Outriders. It's just a, it's a terrible game. There, um, th- there's a real plot to Pikmin 3, is there then? Um, it's well, I mean, so I didn't actually play uh, Pikmin 1 or 2, um, and it's actually my first time, and I haven't really been playing it, I was was watching Maria play it, but it's the whole thing about, like, okay, Earth is, like, its resources have tapped out, so we have to go and find, like, another planet that has, uh, you know, basically... They're looking for food, yeah. yeah. And then you keep collecting, um, what you're doing throughout the game is finding fruits, different fruits that you can then turn into juice and survive, and then, because there were three, uh... Three characters that like left the mother planet together, then something happens and they get separated, and you have to find each other. And I got to the point where I find the second character, but I haven't yet heard from the third. And yeah, I, I don't know if there's a deeper story than this, or if it goes further. But that's yeah. That's but the, the general crux of like the day night system is that oh, at night time there are scary monsters or this stuff or whatever. So you need to get all the Pikmin back onto the ship, otherwise they're all going to get eaten. So you could be at a point where you've got like 120 Pikmin um, of like the different colors, but they have their own separate ships. So before the night, onions. before they're called onions. Oh, onions, yes. Before the day ends, you have to get them back to the ships, otherwise, obviously, you're going to lose whatever ones you've collected during the day. Um, so you know, it's it's got that little bit of kind of pressure that you're constantly looking at clock to make sure, okay, do I have enough time to do the thing that I'm trying to do? Um, and as someone that loves Majora's Mask, you know, obviously, I'm all for that. Um, but it's it's a good it's a good mechanic to have in there. Yeah. yeah. Can you fault on Pikmin like in Metal Gear Solid Five, where you just uh, stick them on a parachute and sky them off two ships? Fortunately, you can't. No, Aww. but that would be good. Yeah, uh, that would be good. And it also, just before we move on, it does break your heart because I uh, I didn't realize that they disappear or they get you know they they die if you don't save them in time. And um, the, the first mass. It was a genocide. What I said? No, it wasn't genocide. Oh, it was not genocide. You weren't intentionally trying to kill. Them. No, but I did throw that them. Is... I throw. I threw them over a bridge, and then it was too late, and I didn't realize that I can't get them <laughs> okay, back. Okay, maybe it so was basically. a genocide. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I killed them, but I didn't realize I was killing them when I was doing it, and it just broke my heart because oh. I realized I can't get them. <laughs> that's back. That's why you haven't gone back to it since. You've been too traumatized. <laughs> it's, it's very stressful. Yeah. To make sure that you get all your pigments and they multiply constantly to make sure that you get them to a safe place by the end of the time, and also do your tasks and do everything else. 
nails and find your fruits. I don't know. I found it stressful, but yeah. I will get back to it because it's very cute. Basically, cute. Le- Did you ever play Lemmings, Mark? Like, way of back course, of yeah. course. You're making it sound a lot like Lemmings, where you're trying to like save those little guys from jumping off cliffs and stuff. So Lemmings, I actually find more stressful because you can't control the direct. Well, you obviously you can control where they go, but you don't have direct control of them. You have yeah. to manipulate them to where you want them to go, and. I, I always found that stressful because as soon as you like let one out of your grasp and your control, the whole thing just falls to pieces. Pure mayhem, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, so I uh, I'm actually close to the end of Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Um, oh wow! So you've really flown through that. Then. I I spent most of last weekend before the football started, and I've had a couple of mornings here and there to just kind of hammer through that game. It's not the longest campaign. Um, I've I think I'm. Only only about eight to ten hours, I want to say, maybe a little bit more. Mm. Um, but that game is if if you've played a Ratchet and Clank game before and you enjoyed it, you will enjoy this. If you've played a Ratchet and Clank game before and didn't enjoy it, I don't think there's that much here different that is going to kind of sway your opinion. But for me, I really enjoy the the RNC games. I enjoy the variety of weapons and the different things that they do. And the, you know, there's nothing as original in the here like the weapons, like the Groovitron from the the last RNC game. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame because the best way I want to distract my enemies is having a giant disco in the sky and that everyone starts dancing. <laughs> yeah. Which is basically you you have to wonder like if they stole that. Guardians of the Galaxy original movie ending from the Groovatron from from Ratchet and Clank. Um, The rifting looks... Surely the rifting is the device in this one, though, because that looks incredibly satisfying, like those phase warps into the... Honestly, just from, like, a purely technical uh, perspective, like, this game is un-fucking believable. Yeah. Um, I I will say this. At no point was I playing this game thinking, okay, this is probably going to be my favorite game of the year. But I spent most of this game with a big dumb grin on my face or like my jaw just kind of slack from the this, the, the tec- technical achievement of going between dimensions and rifts. And, mm. you know, like a lot of the time you're playing a game and you've got your phone ready to like pick up whenever you go into like a loading scene or whatever. You don't have the time to do that with this game. You know, it's just, it's so seamlessly going between the rifts Um and it's just, it's incredible. It's its genuinely incredible. Like, people have been speaking about that as obviously the big thing and kind of the big unique selling point when we saw the original trailer was the fact that that was a thing. But you still can't appreciate it until that you're actually playing it and seeing how that works in, in real time. Um, there has been a couple of moments where, like, parts of the geometry um, I've kind of clipped with or I've been hanging off a ledge that doesn't actually exist. Um, so there's been a little few things like that, but it's just in terms of the actual technical performance, um, I've been playing on, uh, 60 FPS, uh, without the ray tracing and I had no point have I seen like a slowdown at all. And in fairness, the, the remaster, uh, from a couple of years ago, like you would have a lot of shit going on the screen at the time and I never noticed a slowdown and it's, you know, more of that. With that said, the when I booted the game up to begin with, I was playing it on uh, Fidelity with ray tracing, and my PS5 hard crashed twice within about 20 minutes. Uh. Now, the, I don't know how many PS5 hard crashes you've had. This is the first time I've had it. Apparently, it's a thing that's been quite, uh, quite prevalent with the PS5. 
Just one and not in a game. I was downloading a patch or something and it just it just it said fuck off, nope, not downloading yeah. this and just shut itself down. Well, I I I had it on Fidelity with the ray tracing and it just it got to the end of like a cutscene and it just hard crashed. Um I just did not like it. So I had a look online and apparently the ray tracing I don't know if it's specific with, with RNC, but it does seem to like my PS5 sounded like the dying days of my PS4 at moments with like how loud it got. Really? Yeah. So I haven't had a I, lot of fan noise on my I, barely any on my PS5 so far. Well, when I turned when I went back to like perform, I don't know if it's performance or performance RT, but as soon as I did that, my PS5 hasn't made a noise and the game is run through and I haven't had a hard crash since. Hmm. But it really didn't like that mode. So now apparently, like I was talking to Jack, uh, sorry to Dave and Niner, and they didn't have that issue. So I don't know what the fuck it is. Um, I know that Returnal has been a bit of a bitch for crashing, and that game is more. There's more to lose from your PS5 hard crashing. Like, yeah. you know, Ratchet and Clank doesn't really have that issue. Um, but yeah, it's it's really well produced. Like, it generally, it does look like a Pixar film um, a lot of the time. It looks unbelievable. The voice acting is very, very strong, as they usually are in that, those games. Um, yeah, it's just, just all around. Like, I, I don't really have a lot to complain about other than... It's not particularly challenging. Uh, there's nothing there kind of puzzle-wise. Like, there's a bit where... Clank goes into this kind of rift between dimensions and you have like these puzzles that you have to include where you have like a bunch of little clanks running and Hmm. you have to basically like lemmings you have to guide them in the right path to get to like the gate that opens up to go to the next bit it's actually quite a bit like lemmings um there was nothing there that you know kind of stumped me you you have these like energy balls that can like lift them up so they can go to higher platforms they can go faster you can make the geometry around you heavier um and a, you can really just brute force it by just throwing the orbs into like the different slots and figuring out at some point you know the right combination will figure itself out um but there was nothing there that was that challenging but yeah like uh, overall I've, I've had a really good time with it and um on the first playthrough I'm doing, I'm already at like 92% completion rate. Um, wow. I wish I wish the HUD had a map. Like, if I want to see what I'm looking at or trying to figure out where I'm going, I have to click on the you know the kind of main button on the the PS5 controller mm. to look at the map, which is a little bit annoying. I mean, the game doesn't is not crazy for collectibles, uh, like a you know name your game of choice. But there Ruby. are a few, yeah, yeah. But there are a few collectibles on the map, and it would be nice to have just a, like a, an, an on-screen map while you're going around the world. But you know, that's a kind of minor quality of life feature. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's good. It is good. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched um, friend of the show Barry Murphy play quite a big chunk of it um, on the day it came out. Um, Twitch.tv slash Barry Lad, I think, if you want to go and watch Barry stuff. Um, and yeah, I just I was actually knocked out, blown away, couldn't believe how insane it looked, how everything flowed, like the the, the rapid pace of everything, how kinetic the game feels, and, and how satisfying every action and everything looked on the screen. So it's definitely something that at some stage I will get to because I I feel like it's just a sort of you know fun like game experience that you'd sweep you up and like you say you you got through 92 percent of it and you'd be able to get through it quite quickly once you get going i just at the moment i just don't want to i just don't want to pay that much for it <laughs> it is uh you know it's a hefty price tag on it um, yeah unfortunately for those first party ps5 uh titles unfortunately yeah. but um i mean it, it is what it yeah. is i think that's it is what, what they're is. doing now um 
But I mean, I, I buy like three to four AAA titles a year, so um, and this was always going to be one I was going to get. So I'm not uh, yeah. that. Like you, you borrowed. You said you borrowed Village off of a friend, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. all right. Smart, smart boy. You've yeah. done this right. Well, yeah, but, he was, yeah, he was a very, it's a very generously offered to lend me it. So I was like, right. Yeah, but like this. I picked up fucking Pikmin, and that was still sixty quid. You know. It's, yeah, it's that's insane. the Nintendo tax. Yeah, though, it is the it? Nintendo tax. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they Maria's looking at me right now, like sh- just shocked and appalled by. I didn't know. <laughs> Thank you. That's very generous. Well, you said you wanted to play it. And... I know, but just because I say I want to play something, I just buy it. Yeah, but you don't say that that often. So. It's fair. It's true. But still, <laughs> hey, Mark, thank you very much. I want to play around on a jet ski like Owen Wilson and Loki. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure you still have a copy of Wave Race 64 lying around somewhere, so. I actually also have a copy of the original Wave Race for the original Game Boy, which I go, played man. to fuck, and my nan bought me from Argos in the late 90s. Thank you very much, nan. <laughs> well, there you go. You saw it. You don't need me for that, then. Yeah. That, oh, oh. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, there's nothing else here left to play. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a quick break. Um, Maria, you're going to enjoy the rest of your day? Yes, I, I am. Yes, I'm going to. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for this portion. Thank you for having me. It's been very I feel welcome. So special. Uh, Saying that even, you know, people always say that. Thank you for having me. You know, yeah. we, we might just put you as the, the third co-host. We might just kick Dave out and, you know. Definitely. Oh. Definitely, I, I have I, so much I, more knowledge on I, all of I this. I don't know about that. He's going to be furious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could get ready for the Yoko Ono comparisons immediately. <laughs> they're coming. Oh, no. But uh, yeah, we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and then we'll carry on with the news. And we are back. And uh, I've decided I would need to make an executive decision that we wouldn't talk about the, any of the, the recapping of E3 just yet. I figured we'd do it next time that Dave is on the show. Uh, first of all, happy birthday, Dave. Belated happy birthday. Happy birthday, uh, son. He is taking a well-deserved uh, break this week. But I wanted to wait until <laughs> we're all back because I wanted to give... Because I, I, Mark Robinson, am not a coward. And I will allow anyone to defend themselves on this platform for any of our E3 predictions. Unlike you two fuckers last year, right? So <laughs> I just I haven't had a chance to say yet that it's unacceptable that I was not here to defend myself the last time we did an E3 prediction show. Uh, listen, mate, you know, you ch- you chose what you chose to do that week. There's nothing we could do. About I it. I would have contested on a number of, like, uh, some VAR decisions would have been made here, all right? Um, uh, like, Mark's currently drawing a TV screen, and I'm the referee. I'm pointing and I'm, at and the penalty I'm, spot. I'm telling him to go away. <laughs> Not interested. Got the earpiece up. No, nothing to worry about. VAR, check over, and move on. So, um, yeah, so we'll leave that till the next time Dave is on. Uh, do we want to, like, I guess, should we, should we take a quick moment to do a quick kind of, like, Euros mini recap, I guess? Just just have a little chat about what we've been thinking so far? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what I want to go too in detail. Wait, I don't, know don't have you... to go there. That's just a little kind of five, uh, ten minute. Yeah, ramble. okay. So, I mean, like, my favorite team so far has, has been Italy. Um, I think they've just been absolutely phenomenal, fantastic to watch. The, the midfield with... Uh, with Barella, uh, Locatelli, and Jorginho just clings together so beautifully. Right, I think we can. I think we can officially move them out of the dark horse category Absolutely, now. If they yeah. may have not been before, anyway. 
Yeah, Domenico Barardi has been incredible. I mean, so to see Giro Immobile getting some goals. Insigne, every time he cuts in on that right foot, I just think he's going to put it in the top corner. Uh, Spinazzolo with his runs going for Yeah, just the whole the whole kit and caboodle um, has been fantastic to watch. I'm very aware that they're playing later on today and they might get beat 5-0 by Wales. I, I doubt that, but it's, it's possible. Um, and Ramsey, here we come. Yeah, exactly. Rambo and, you know, Gareth Bale. Um, but, the, you know, the... The the majority, I guess, of like uh, of pre-tournament predictions about the teams that, that we thought would be good uh, have kind of come to pass. France have looked maybe a little less impressive than I thought they would, but they're still going to be comfortably into the next round and no problem. England, you know, a little bit dull in maybe both of them. Can, can I just say that... England, and I mean, obviously this happens with every fucking tournament, but it was has been so blown out of proportion on both sides in terms of against Croatia, no, we were not like this masterclass in holding the ball, whatever, but we put on a solid performance. I don't think we were that bad against Scotland. I just think we were a bit toothless going forward. But in terms of possession and moving the ball around, I don't think we were that as bad as, as some people would lead to believe. And I think also Scotland just upped their game after the, the performances against the Czech Republic. Yeah, we weren't bad. We just weren't good. We were, no. but um, and, and, and honestly, honestly, feel like we were there for for the taking a little bit towards the end for Scotland. I think if they maybe even been a bit braver, they might have been able to to grab one. But yeah, we weren't. I don't. The thing is, I never. A lot of the things that I read and the media that I listen to, that it didn't feel like people were going massively over the top about the Croatia game, really, in the the sense that Croatia weren't particularly great in the game. It was a hot game. It was a slow game. Everyone's had a long season. We managed to win. You know, it was a good performance from Calvin Phillips. He's not the Yorkshire Perlo, okay? Like, <laughs> you can't... As, as, as much as I respect and think he's a really good player, like, he's not quite at that level um, yet. But it's... It's just, you know, when you've got the entire, but one of the most um, loud and, and maybe in some cases obnoxious footballing media in the world focused on just the one team, then you're going to get like a, a massive diversity of takes, but also just a lot of white noise and a lot of things of that you hear from different directions. From It's just, it always is. Half the, half the thing around the England team, like now, I think the reason that people hate us aside from like the historical awful, you know, things that the country's represented is just the bollocks. It's too much bollocks and it always yeah. has been. And, you know, uh, if you find the right niche of, of podcast and coverage to listen to, then yeah. I, do you know what? One, I, I want to single out a couple of players and then I'll, I'll let you have a couple of, of digs in that I've really enjoyed watching. One of them's, one or two of them are probably quite obvious. Patrick Schick uh, has been very, very good so far. Um, I look at him as this like big physical forward player, can play kind of anywhere across the front three. And has just, you know, like the, the image, one of the images of the tournament for me so far is him getting his face absolutely smashed in by world's best defender, Dejan Lovren, air quotes, and then getting up with like, you know, two black eyes and half a face and then putting the penalty in and then going to the camera with his like arms raised, like, like his guns up and then shouting. And as he shouts, just blood pouring out of his mouth. I'm like, fuck, man, it's it's hard not to 
you know, the, I, I'd imagine Terry Butcher sat somewhere watching that, going, "Yeah, no, that's that's proper. That is." That boy was bleeding hard way. He was, but it was it was hard weighed, um, and yeah. But, but but aside from that, I think his performances have been very good, and I just think he's a sort of guy, and and uh, he knows a lot of the Czech team, and they're just incredible athletes, and it really helps the way that he leads the press from the front for the Czechs and you know we've got them in the last game and I think they're going to be a real real difficult package to handle in general Um, Romelu Lukaku has been everything that Dean Knickerbocker shout out um, said he would be and more in our preview show and I actually think even though he scored two two, uh, two goals in the first game against Russia he's been even better than that in the second game against Denmark when you brought um De Bruyne and Hazard off the bench by the way which just that's hilarious isn't it I'll just yeah Hazard and De Bruyne just two of the best players of the last decade in the Premier League just chuck them off the bench um got a little bit closer to him and you just saw him like leading from the front and like these rampaging runs that really were a huge part of both goals and I just think from an individual perspective and considering how difficult the atmosphere was for for what happened with Christian Eriksen which again is something we should probably hit on there's that was terrifying. Um, yeah, Jesus, I guess we didn't yeah, thought that. Yeah. And, I, and I, I'm so, 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 so glad that he's going to be okay. Because uh, when you watch He's been that, discharged from hospital now as yeah, well. Uh, exactly. Which is unbelievable. It is. Uh, it's yeah. incredible, yeah. What great work from everyone involved. Um, yeah. But yeah, that whole atmosphere of like... They, I, I, I tweeted that I felt like that Belgium were playing against an entire country that day. It like, <laughs> did. The, the noise in that stadium oh, uh, was just unbelievable. It was. And for, for them to get flip that on its head and essentially because Belgium again someone was saying that there's nothing dislikable about Belgium like none of their players are annoying none of their players are like little shitbags who like kick people or any of that sort of stuff Um, especially when Rajan and Angeland's nowhere near the team like uh, it was really really hard for them probably to be in that role of well basically they're the bad guys trying to ruin you know Denmark winning one for Christian kind of thing but they did and yeah Lukaku was just top draw different class in that game and shout out to my boy my final shout out Denzel Dumfries called him out as the best name in the tournament but yeah there's been a real thing of like flying wing backs being and, and I mentioned it going in like there'll be the it position but uh Spinazzola and and specifically Dumfries to me and uh, I've got to say Robin Gosens yesterday had a great game as well but uh but both games so far Netherlands like most potent attacking threat you think it's be like Memphis, but no, to me, Don Freeze, man, he's just absolutely balling down that right-hand side, like flying in, score, scored in both games now so far and looking really, really good. But yeah, everything I've seen of the Euro so far, there have been a few dud games, <coughs> anything involving Spain, basically. Um, yeah, I, like, you know, I know it's a sensitive subject for you, but Morata, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> just... It's- it's weird. It's weird because he's allergic to scoring goals. It's weird, like you know how some people say, you know, like players that don't have the statistics, like you know, if I'm gonna obvious example as a Chelsea fan, but if I'm gonna sit here and extol the virtues of Golo Kante to you, it's quite difficult for me to use statistics to do that because it might not show up in the aggregate. Like those two Lukaku um, contributions the other day, they're not going to show up anywhere. It's not. On a, they didn't. They won assists. You know, they weren't goals, so they're not going to show up. Kante, yeah. what he does... I mean, there's so up. much about a striker that I think people don't realise sometimes is about how much they pull defenders apart, yeah. like not actually touching the ball. So, so there know? are good things he does, but also the thing that pisses me off is 
if you look at his goal scoring rate for Spain and his goal scoring rate in general, it's actually pretty good. So like people that don't really watch Morata, whenever I try and explain to them that he's bad, they're just like, nah, nah, look, you know, he scored a bunch of goals at Juve, oh, it's just Chelsea. But now you can see how frustrating he is. He just looks like a sad puppy walking around the pitch he, at the moment. It's his mentality. He has the mentality of, of, of like a 10-year-old, sadly, is that, you know, if, if if he doesn't get what he wants at the start, he throws a strop, and that even manifests by him walking around, like you say, like a sad puppy, or then going around and getting booked, moaning at refs, ch- just kicking people, just generally being a gobshite. Um, and yeah, the guy's natural raw talent and pace and everything that he's got is just unreal. So really, it is all everything that exists between his ears. And yeah, Spain don't have a striker. Gerardo Moreno is not bad, but he's not like an elite striker that's going to win them the tournament. And yeah, they're just basically playing like 4,000 passes in midfield and no penetration. And that just, yeah, it's uh, it, it it's not great to watch. But yeah, is it, I mean, how about you, Mark? Is, uh, is there anything you want to pick out and bits and pieces you've seen so far? Yeah, uh, I think that um, you mentioned there about the the, the Netherlands. Um, they are not playing with any kind of idea or shape, but <laughs> they are by far probably other than Italy, who are doing it through an actual kind of idea they ha- or a plan they have. The the Netherlands are really just winging it, sometimes literally and sometimes figuratively. Um, yeah. And they've been wildly entertaining. Like the Netherlands Ukraine game uh, oh. was. Just an unbelievable game. I, infuriatingly, the first game that I missed of the the Euros uh, was the um, Portugal-Germany game, which by the sounds of it was an absolute belter. Class. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, across the board there, like Wendelham, Weghorst and and Dumfries, uh, you know, between the three of them, just, I don't know, they've been incredible, the Netherlands, um, as terrible as they have been as well at certain points. Um, And and Ukraine have been no slouches as well. Um, It's both of those teams in those groups are just, they're just a bunch of mad bastards. They're just like, Ukraine play with insane intensity, but they kind of play like you would expect a forward coaching uh, a team to play like, like Shevchenko, basically. Everything going forward and like defense, uh, we'll we'll figure that kind of out. Yeah, like they are doing the thing that I was hoping Turkey would do. And I I think it goes without saying that Turkey have been the dud of this tournament. You know, everyone's kind of bigging them up as being the dark horses that was just going to provide just complete chaos. And we spoke about it on, on the preview show and they have just been toothless. Uh, yeah, it's been awful. It's, they've not yeah. been doing any of the of the mad shit again, where they're just you know going for it, trying to score and stuff. Like against Wales, they were just really ah, oh, just really dull and lethargic. And then that first game against Italy, you could tell they just set up to defend, and that just it just isn't their game really. And as a result of which, Italy just were grinding them down slowly and found a way through. And yeah, they've they're been a bit they're big disappointment so far, I think, for me, Turkey, because I got quite hyped up about what they could do, but they just haven't delivered at all. Yeah. Tournament as a whole, though, really enjoying it. So yeah, far. I've really enjoyed it. Um, top scorer, own goal. Uh, you know, good <laughs> yeah. luck to him. Well five, done. Five, five for that young man, own goals. Oh, yeah. I think own goals, own hyphen goals. Can't, on the back can't of wait to see him at Everton next season. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Sweden and Slovakia can both fuck off into the sun. Um, <laughs> that was an absolute misery to try and fucking <laughs> endure. Um, what else? Uh, Wales, I think, have, have actually shown up and, um, you know, they actually have a really good chance uh, to, yeah. to to kind of crack on with their tournament. Um, a really, really good, impressive performance against Turkey. Again, partially just because Turkey just haven't shown up in this tournament, which is a shame. I saw a stat in the last two Euros, the only team that have won more matches than Wales is France. 
How crazy is that? That's insane. It's yeah. mad. So mad. there you go. So, that, I mean, really, they, when um, when Man- Mancini compared them a bit to Stoke, which I think they didn't like too much, but I think he just meant in terms of the physicality and the and the effort and energy levels. But uh, they, they, he also said that, like, yeah, they've been up there in the world rankings for a while. And uh, I think Wales still try and kind of hold on to this underdog thing. But really, like, if you look at the way that they've been in the last two Euros and they shouldn't really necessarily be held in that bracket they should have a bit more respect than maybe they get i think indeed yeah uh obviously we will probably be talking more about the euros um as the tournament carries on but we'll leave it there for now and we have a couple of articles a couple of bits of news to talk about now obviously you know 95 percent of everything over the past few weeks has been about e3 so we will do a, a kind of condensed show about that uh, when dave returns um, my predictions have not been going well <laughs> yeah i haven't like checked back on some of the predictions i made but i know that a few of them have just not come to pass but hey whatever remember when i said they wouldn't do anything with zelda <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that worked out well, didn't it? Yep. Uh, So, into the bits of news that we do have to talk about. First of all, uh, now we've, you know, discussed FIFA loot boxes and EA and what their strategy will be going forward a number of times on this show. But this is probably the most interesting thing that's come out of that whole uh, situation for a while. In that EA will now let you see what's in FIFA loot boxes before you buy them, which... Uh, I I am not the expert when it comes to loot boxes and that type of mechanic in games and what games allow you to see what's in them. But you know, for what we're talking about here, which is FIFA, this is pretty this is yeah pretty massive. And uh, this is from Eurogamer. And uh, under increasing pressure from governments, children's welfare groups, and gambling charities, which you know, you know kind of says a lot, uh, EA today ha- has added the ability to see what's inside FIFA 21 loot boxes before you buy them. These ultimate team preview packs, as EA calls them, let you see all the specific items contained within them before you make a decision on whether to buy with FUT coins or FIFA points. With FUT coins as a virtual currency and through gameplay, and FIFA points being the virtual currency bought with real world money. Uh, packs not directly obtained from the FUT store, such as rewards from division rivals or earned from an objective, uh, will not be preview packs and will continue to function as they do now, uh, EA said. So, yeah, there's a whole article there about it, and it kind of goes into the specific mechanics of this works. But this is, uh, I guess, the kind of interesting thing is like how this will affect EA's bottom line and their revenue. Um, and if they'll see a significant decrease, because now you can actually see what you're going to be getting out of these packs, um, because that is kind of the whole thing that you can't see. So, that's yeah, that, 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 that'll be the really big thing, and whether EA will actually report on that in the next financial year like yeah. if they see a noticeable drop off um I, but yeah I, what's it, your takes on this yeah it's, it's massive um so basically the way it works is you click to buy the pack you can preview all the cards inside it and then you can either choose to buy it or you can not buy it and then if you don't buy it it has like a refresh rate where say like it'll be like you know anywhere from like a few hours to a day before it refreshes over to another pack so I guess by doing that, then they're probably warding people off um, m- buying something. But I feel like, you know, if you've got a bunch of money to spend, I don't know that this 
I don't know that this makes a huge impact to the whales of the world, um, to use a, a horrible sort of, you know, corporate loot box chasing kind of term. But um, if you're if you're somebody that's invested in buying shitloads of Ulma team packs, I think you probably don't use this function. You just go and buy what you were going to buy. But like, you know, for the average kid who like, you know, the parents don't really want to give them access to the credit card and they've got a graph to earn the coins. And if they are going to buy a pack and they click on it and they don't like what they see, then they can just turn the PlayStation off, turn it back on tomorrow and then see, okay, right. Well, if I try and buy one of those packs now, who do I get? You know, which, which is pretty great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool feature. I don't think it'll hit the, the bottom line too much. It probably might make a bit of a difference, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's good. It's, it protects to me the people it should protect a bit more like not fully but a bit more and the people that are just gonna plow through the the cash anyway because they fuck it they don't mind spending loads of money on ultimate team i don't think it's gonna ward them off so it's it's something it's it's a it's something i didn't think i would see ea do so i don't want to give them i'm very loathed mark to give ea credit uh for something but i do think that this is an improvement on what we have so i will say decent job ea i'm not going to give you a good job but decent job well done i i feel this is obviously more a case of fifa's hands were tied into or ea's hands were tied into doing this more than them yeah uh, seeing this as like a wonderful opportunity to do something new with uh with the the ultimate team packs Moving on, uh, this as of the 18th of June uh, has been updated since then, so I guess this is still happening. Uh, some Nintendo Switch owners are reporting problems when trying to download games and uh, updates from the eShop more than a week after the problem first came to light. Uh, Nintendo customer support is aware of the problem, and there is a page of troubleshooting tips to follow if you encounter, and uh, the Eurogamer article has a link to that. Fans uh, that have spoken to customer support uh, say that you know customer support are trying to help as best as they can, um, but the possible solutions per download. Uh, so there are some solutions for this, but they're meant as a temporary solution instead of an actual kind of fix for this issue. Nintendo has yet to officially acknowledge the issue. Uh, Eurogamer got in contact with the last week, but there's been no response yet. Uh, reportedly, custom support has told fans affected by the problem that a new firmware update is being worked on to solve the error for good, which you know kind of makes sense. And I, I imagine a lot of this as someone who works in this kind of field, there's probably just like a general automated response to, to you know send out to any ticket that comes their way because there's not much that custom support specifically are going to be able to do about this. You know, it sounds like it very much is a. Uh, is going to require a firmware hard hot firmware update and for the time being there's probably like an faq like hot topics thing on the nintendo site for customer support saying hey here are the ways that you can fix this temporarily for the time being we can't do anything so please stop sending us tickets because we can't do anything more than that yeah um subsequently some switch owners were unable to download new games updates and or existing purchases from their store history but not everyone has been affected um, so that's interesting as well is the fact that it's not uh, impacting everyone so I don't know if it's like a regional thing um, or if it's like specific switch device models um, I haven't actually turned on my switch in, in over a week so I haven't actually checked to see if I'm encountering this issue I don't know if you have Jack at all no 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 I um yeah it just looks like a network cache thing where you know it might have there might be like some file in there that like 
people some people have some people don't or some people have that exists in one form that doesn't exist in another because most of the people that i've seen have just there's a way of like clearing out the cash or whatever yeah and i think like your average switch user um might not really know how to do that so it definitely is something that needs to be solved with a with a an update and it's, it's a surprise because I don't think I've ever really had any issues downloading anything from Nintendo. Like, as much as you can say, sometimes the storefronts aren't the easiest to navigate or, you know, the most satisfying or, or whatever to get things off. But I've, I've never had any problems downloading. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're quite disappointed that this has happened, really. But, yeah, so maybe. Hopefully everyone's watching the Euros, so they're distracted away from that. <laughs> uh, the last story we have here, uh, and this is an interesting one. The owner, the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's, Scott Cawthorn, has announced he is retiring just days after a controversy erupted over his past donations to Republican candidates, including Donald Trump. Uh, Cawthon confirmed his decision in a statement shared to scottgames.com, accompanied by a Five Nights at Freddy's artwork drawn by an unnamed eight-year-old fan. Uh, there's no mention of the controversy in his statement, save for a reference to him receiving support from the LGBT community, and not to the recent criticism faced by him for supporting Republican candidates with broadly anti-LGBTQ stances, which is basically the same um, kind of field of thinking as uh, your man from the Austrian team who got suspended for the one game, and whose retort was like, I have... Uh, ethnic minority friends in all countries around the world which is you know just the equivalent of I have black friends therefore I'm not racist uh, yeah Marco Anatovich that's the one Anatovich which I, I very much I'm not going to say I enjoyed but I certainly had a double glance when the Austrian Twitter like football Twitter account uh, put out the the starting 11 for their next game and had Anatovich front and centre um, for the game that he was suspended for, yeah, uh, which a, is yeah. a, a bold direction to take, shall I say? It's not quite Kenny Dalglish making uh, Liverpool players wear t-shirts to support Luis Suarez after he absolutely <laughs> racially abused Patrice Evra, but it's 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 on the same you know bottom rung of that. It's pyramid. adjacent to that, shall we say? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, in his uh, statement, he said that here on the seventh, seventh anniversary of the first game's trailer, as I realized that I was in my mid-30s when I created the series and now I'm approaching my mid-40s, I realized that I miss a lot of things that I got to focus on before Five Nights at uh, Freddy's became a success. I miss making games for kids, I miss doing it for fun, and I miss making RPGs even though I stink at it. Uh, all of this to say that I'm retiring. I've been shown tremendous love and support over the last week, a lot of which has come from the LGBTQ community. The kindness shown to me has been surreal. Um, and apparently this isn't the end of Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, it's going to pass over the baton to someone else. Um, and then the end of, here, end of here, he's like, to say the last few days has been surreal would be an understatement. I've debated greatly how to best address this. Um, but with so many people from the LGBT community and the fan base that I love, that's not an option uh, to not address it. And that if I get cancelled, then I get cancelled. I don't do this for the money anymore. I do it because I enjoy it. Um, now, I <sighs> this idea of being cancelled uh, is obviously a bit preposterous because I think this man could clearly continue to make Five Nights at Freddy's games and I don't think his revenue is going to be impacted too much. Anyone that wants to play those games will be playing those games. Um, I think it's good that we... Well, he said that he's passing the baton on, which unfortunately means we'll probably get more of those games, but my issue with those games is not about the uh, the director and his political stances. Um 
Yeah, it's, you know, we, we see kind of cases of this pop up every now and again where we see, you know, someone's political donations. Um, I mean, The Undertaker hasn't been cancelled um, and we know he's kind of general stance and he's a Republican. Um, yeah, I, I think this is maybe a bit of an overreaction from him. Uh, now, obviously, I'm in completely no means any... I do not support his views, obviously, naturally, goes without saying. Um but the idea that he thinks he's been cancelled, I think, is a bit ridiculous and a bit uh, melodramatic, a bit overblown. Um, you know, like, I'm sure he has his legions of fans and I, I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think he is in the same kind of pantheon as, like, a notch, you know? Um, yeah, s- well, certainly from, problematic than a notch. But certainly then, from yeah. what I'm seeing here, he's not doubling down about this and he's trying to make it pretty clear that he doesn't have, uh, you know, anti-LGBTQ like views and, uh, and a stance like that but at the same time if you're voting for trump and you're voting for the republicans and and like you know seeing in the direction they've been going uh, you know i don't think those two things can go hand in hand you know so um yeah i, I doubt this is the last we'll see of him personally for me um but the one good thing i can see from this at least is he's not doubling down on uh, saying anything kind of negative against the the LGBTQ community, so that's the kind of one glimmering thing from this. Where it's like, okay, well, he's making it clear that he isn't aligned with them, like with the Republicans on this. But at the same time, well, you're still kind of donating towards them. So, yeah, yeah. It, to me, it's it, it's how do you flip a situation and get people to feel feel sorry for you? Is what you do is instead of like yeah doubling down on those views is you broadly gloss over them and you talk about everything that you've built and what it means to you and then you say i'm gonna bow out and you don't say you're doing it specifically because of that and then everyone's like oh no you shouldn't go just because of this and then you kind of get the back and then like you know you start a conversation and you get a backlash against it it's an incredibly well media managed apology just from reading it i mean it's a non-apology yeah it it doesn't i mean and look someone doesn't need to apologize just because they you know you people do whatever they want they can vote for whoever they want or whatever but then i guess if 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 people want to then vote with their money and not purchase or be involved in any five nights at freddy's related content then yeah i don't know whether it's him being pushed away by the studio or whether he is trying to like yeah like i say get that clap back of a bit of sympathy for stepping away from this game but look i mean whatever i it if you really went with a fine-tooth comb through the vast majority of people that make a lot of things and produce content that you like or whatever, I've said this, Dave has done this to me many times, where there's someone that I like, and then he's like, oh, that person's a garbage person, and I'm like, oh, man, that really sucks. <laughs> um, and you find out about it like that, it, it's it's hard, but... Um, it's just like 90% of all famous people are a milkshake duck at this point. Yeah, exactly. The, the milkshake duck um, parable is, 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 is fast, um, and, and 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 far-reaching to people but yeah, yeah the, this guy donated money like um yeah there's there's countless people that have done that and i i think the position that he's in and the i mean the the notoriety he has in a very spe- specific community is high but like in a general wider sense he doesn't have a lot of notoriety so like you say it'd be very easy for him to resurface at some point in another form in another project so yeah. See, but six and, and kids it, by the way fair play <laughs> and here's the other thing as well like because you vote for a specific person or a specific party doesn't mean that you um 
have to accept every single aspect of their ideology and their um their plans and whatever whatever they no, believe it, in it, you know it, it doesn't kind of it they kind of the but it kind of does though but what i was going to say what i was going to say is that and you know i didn't uh, he doesn't have to do a lecture about hey here are the specific parts of the republican party that i'm all for basically yeah. you know lower taxes for corporations excuse me <laughs> there we go one sneeze um but he could have also just easily have done a like okay look here i am completely for lgbtq people and here is a donation matched to whatever i gave to trump for you know lgbtq foundations and charities it's obviously it is a kind of superficial statement but at least it is a you know doubling down in terms of saying that i am for this community because you're saying that i'm not yeah i don't think it's a complete fix for it but i still think that it is better than you know some of the responses we've seen from certain people over the last it, few years yeah, this kind of thing it would have been better um to do something like that i guess but well, then you're like the, uh, it's hard not to come off as disingenuous it's almost like one of the best things that you could have done is just just not bother to do anything like he said, one of the things he thought about was not addressing it. And you almost like, you know, sometimes you're like, do you bring out an apology? Not apology? Like, how you how do you media manage someone yeah. finding out something about you that you don't want to find out? Um, and sometimes maybe the best and most cowardly option is silence. I'm looking at you, Zach Saber Jr. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and you just get like, you get that situation where, yeah. And then after a while, and you just, people just sort of shrug their shoulders, don't they? And, and yeah, but... Uh, we've never been at a more polarized point in politics so i think you kind of now unfortunately if you have always voted a certain way because of one specific reason i.e if you're in this country and you decided you wanted to vote tory because of brexit unfortunately you are then aligning all of the ideologies that when someone spits them back at you you either disassociate yourself from them or you double down uh and yeah he's kind of like gone in between which is a bit yeah it's a bit limp but you know it is what it is like i say i, I don't expect i don't expect everybody that makes or creates things to have views that i would like i don't expect everybody that makes or creates things that i like to be particularly nice people um i just you know in my head i'm like i just don't want to know <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's the real depressing part is like you know, when you've got instant access to everyone's information and all of the thoughts, it's like, yeah, I, I preferred it when I just didn't know sometimes. And I was like, you know, I mean, there are things like horrible things that you would rather know. But then there are like little things that are like disappointing like this where you're just like, oh, that sucks. Uh, you know, and it just takes a little edge off it or whatever. Those are the things I'm like, I could do that knowing this. I, I don't care. But yeah, see what happens. Can, can, you, can you listen to Maiden still comfortably knowing Bruce? Is a bit of a bit of a Tory. Oh, he always has been a conservative. Yeah. Um, oh, is he? I didn't know he was always like that. Yeah, no. I mean, he's been a conservative for a while. I don't think he has a particularly positive view on the current current uh, current government. But funnily enough, nobody has uh, <laughs> nobody has asked him. I think nobody wants to ask him. But yeah, that's yeah, that's that's just it's just disappointing. But like, I still I still like the music, and it's it's not like. You know, it it would be really disappointing if he came out and said something really horrible about this, that, or the other thing. But he doesn't. I don't think he's ever tried to hide it. Um, you know, okay. he's not quite Morrissey. No, no, exactly. Yeah. But then who is? 
Thankfully, uh, no one. Thank God that no one is Morrissey. <laughs> but yeah, this is a much—it's a much broader topic. It's very hard to condense uh, your thoughts on, and I think it's something that we come up against quite a lot uh, in a in a massive freedom of information age that we live in at the moment. But yeah, make your own choices. I guess is the important thing. But just you know, try not to make choices that are at the detriment of other people. That's yeah. always good. Just do. Yeah. Just be nice. Be excellent yeah. to each other. And be party good. on, dudes, is what Bill and Ted once said many years ago. Got that on a business card. And on that epic, epic note, we're going to end this uh, episode of Link to the Cast. Uh, thank you very much for listening, as always. Uh, please like, share, listen, and subscribe. Uh, we appreciate any love from you fine, fine people. Uh, we, we did some pretty good numbers for our Euros previews. Um, so thank you to everyone that listened to them. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope you got some good insight from Jack and Dave and whatever I, uh, you know, gave has contributed to that, uh, those two episodes. We are available on most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, sometimes YouTube. If you want to contact our mailbag, please do. Um, we are at link to the cast at gmail.com or more importantly and you know the easy way to get in contact just have a little uh, search for us on twitter and chat with us uh we've started doing a on this day thing with twitter uh every day at 5 p.m we'll uh, we'll tweet about a game um that came out on that day however many years ago it might have been could be could be last year could be 20 years ago um so keep an eye on that because then you know there'll be stuff that will appear we had twisted metal black show up the other day we had a personal favorite mine tumba um the other day so yeah keep an eye on that follow us on twitter at link to the cast uh dave will hopefully be back next week he is at the day to dave uh, i'm at lifting project he over there is at jack lazell and uh yeah we'll see you again next week station